One, two, three. Good evening, guys. Welcome to episode four of the Outside Talks, featuring myself, Ivan, and of course the man, the myth, the legend himself, architect Ralph Richard Sue. I will always use that, um, sir. If you if you don't prefer that, you know it's it's gonna be a thing. It's already a thing. So, anyways, for this episode, we actually have a guest that is actually part of this duo that we have here, and that's good. That's Sir Sue, Sir Ralph. So last week we put up a poll on our Instagram asking what is it, what is going to be the topic for our next episode? Is it going to be the the master's degree, the the path to sort of greatness at the end, or is it going to be about our favorite architects? But thankfully, most of you guys preferred the path to a master's degree. So that's what that is what we're going to talk about today. And good evening, sir. Yo, hi, Ivan, and hello, everyone. Um, I guess you know me by now. My name is Ralph, and I'm an architect, and I'm one half of the hosts of this podcast. So for tonight, I'm not going to be a host. Ivan will be handling all the host duties, but um, I'll just be the guest. So yes, sir. I'll just be answering questions, and I'll be more laid back uh, this time. More laid back. Yes, sir. So I guess to start it off, what gave you the idea to actually get a master's degree? And if you could share a bit about where and for how long? So I guess it really started when back in 2013, I think, when me and a few of my friends decided that we should go to the World Architecture Festival in Singapore back in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Now, at that time, I was very young in the practice. I just started my my practice, RRSA, uh, two years, no, actually just a year before the WAF, because I started the practice in 2012 officially. So I was very much a noob back then, <clears throat> like even more so back then than I am now. So we decided to go to the World Architecture Festival in Singapore. The thing was um, the WAF, was held in Singapore for, I think, uh, three or five straight years. So it really gave us an opportunity to, you know, um, go to this very prestigious and very well-organized festival of architects and architecture. Okay. It was pretty much near to Cebu, the Philippines. Now WAF is held in Europe. so. It, it's very, very much farther nowadays and much more expensive too. So when we and my, when a few of my friends went to the World Architecture Festival, it was there that um, where our, at least for speaking, just speaking for myself, my eyes was really open, were really open to the possibilities of what we can do as Filipino architects. Because before that, um, my reference points or the people or the firms that I can compare myself to were local firms or the firms in Manila, such as um, the firm that I apprenticed in, Gabriel Formosan Partners. So uh, that was my measuring stick, really. <clears throat> but then when I went to, when we, when we arrived at WAF, man, Gabi, kanindot ang mga works. Like, I... Like it was actually the first time I saw works from South Korea and even more works from Japan and Europe friend also works from European countries and architectural firms there. So it was really cool and, and it was a really, you know, a really big eye opener for me. So that sort of made me realize that if I wanted to be the, the best possible architect that I could be, then I should open my my horizon to more possibilities and not just to to a place where I feel safe and comfortable. So that really helped me out a lot and really influenced my decision. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, and this may sound pretty stupid, um, so just bear with it. Um, when we went to the WAF, there, were, there was a group of um, people there who were helping out. And then eventually during our last night, 
um, on the third night, I think, on the third and last night, uh, we went out, Tamini, Andrew, Tan, and Richard Lo. So we went out to Clark K. I'm not sure if you pronounce this as, as Clark K or Clark K. But if you've been to Singapore, it's quite a famous area for mga panggimik bar, laglag. <clears throat> so we went there during our last night. And then we saw the same group of people who we saw katong sa WAF nga festival. And then um, it turned out that, um, well, just to, just to say it um, as as frankly as I can, nai nai chicks dito nai guapa so 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 we ended up you know talking to them. Um, I even have some pictures. Then Andrew took a lot of pictures of me as I was talking to to, to one of them. Um, and then that's that's when we started to talk. And then she told me that she was a student in the UK in London. And then that she studied in Ravensbourne, that she was a student of Ravensbourne uh, University in London. So that all that so that further opened my my or or that further piqued my curiosity about hmm, what if what if abroad go McMaster's go if ever if ever McMaster's go. So that's the second thing that affected it. Um, it's it's the it's the personal side of it, I guess. Now to go somewhere and just to really experience everything and anything that you can experience. Um, possibly at that time, I, it's embarrassing to say it, but um, I, uh, there was a time when I was thinking that uh, uh, I would come back with a, with, a British, with a British wife or something like that. That was kind of stupid, but, just, but it sort of still influenced my decisions. I'd, um, so the origins of my decision was really um, messy. I didn't really know when um, exactly what I wanted. It was very vague, uh, I didn't have any clear direction, nor did I know exactly what I wanted to do. And I guess that's one of the most important things that we should, or that we will encounter, or that you will encounter as you open up the possibility of studying abroad or, or take up your master somewhere, be it in the Philippines or in a foreign nation or country. So the origins is, is not always noble or honorable. No, it's never clear. You Usually we don't know what we want nor how we can accomplish it. But the hardest part is always the first part. And that first part is usually, you know, being open to new things and the possibility of change, and of putting yourself in, situ in situations when you feel very uncomfortable. In, um, I guess we don't really know what we want right away. It takes a long, it takes a long time to get to know what we really want. And once, and equally as important, once we do know or have an idea of what we want, the next step would be to decide to, to go and get it and just to do it right away. So yeah, um, those are just two things of why I, or of what pushed me to take up my master's. And I will, I mean, if now I master's degree, no one could take that away from you, right? Uh, once you have it, um, at, at the very least, it will after that, because the, not everyone is afforded the, the, the opportunity to get a master's degree experience. So that, that's something I'm very grateful for. Right, right. I guess it, um, relating to that experience of taking your master's I guess in the beginning um, a lot of the a lot of these things that you see at the moment never really transpire as soon as you arrive to it and I guess this is something that I, I would assume that a lot of you guys listening relate to trying to do some this things this thing that's entirely new um, 
I guess my next question to you, sir, was despite this sort of totally different reason as for you to start it, how how did it, how did how did it start to feel like once you were into achieving, you know, your masters? Right. Your origins will vary for each person. Some origins or some beginnings will sound some beginnings will be very uh, will be very honorable, will be very planned out or or would be would be you know like it's some beginnings would seem like it's really part of the plan in the first place. While some beginnings or or origins will be something like mine, which had nothing really to do with architecture. But you know, it still served as something mm-hmm. very important as a part of the process. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know, mm-hmm. like a very honorable, very perfect origin story. Um, you can start off on the wrong foot, but still finish the race per se, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right, sir. I guess um, right. it's almost like stepping stones can really start from anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So um, I actually want to ask her, um, what did you take for your masters when you um joined the uh, Ravensbourne? I was Ravensbourne, I would assume. Right. So so just a, just another brief background, just to clarify. Um, I I went to the University of Ravensbourne in London, and I took up masters in environment design. It's not environmental design; it's environment design. It's really different. The way I see environmental design is more about uh, a masteral program leaning towards the the environment really like you know like for lack of a better term Siguravan maybe is like about mother nature you know um, these processes mm-hmm. in construction and in architecture and in and in engineering that will you know help or or help sustain uh, the natural habitat that is environmental Mm-hmm. design environment design mm-hmm. is we designed or we try to understand both tangible and intangible aspects not just of architecture but of the environment itself wherever you are mm-hmm. you know um, when you go across a bridge that is still there's still something to to understand from that experience of crossing the bridge mm-hmm. that can be related to architecture so I know I'm not doing a good. Uh, right, yeah. um, I know I'm not doing a good enough um, um, explaining or defining my uh, my course. Um, as did my tutor back then. She couldn't even explain me properly what the hell environment design <laughs> really meant. So I guess um, it's something to do with the intangibles, more so than the tangibles, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just trying to make sense right, of. Right. The essence of the environment and trying to relate it to architecture or within architectural parameters so yeah right sir so i i guess like that whole process was really all about making abstract things and putting into sort of the real world situation where everyone can understand yeah is that something um okay i see i see yeah even even the other way around van maski vice versa also we tried to um get things in architecture and try to and try to present them in ways that are that is more artistic. Um, my, if I can mm-hmm. share my my very first um, plan for my dissertation project was I wanted to was I wanted to um, try to try to give people who are handicapped in life, let's say, um, either for someone who's blind or deaf or mute. To still to, to somehow mm-hmm. give them a way, yeah. To to somehow give them a way to um. How do I say this? Express their emotions. Um, in a mm-hmm. in a tangible but artistic way. So here's an example. So what? So my idea was to. Let's say you have someone who is blind, so he cannot see, right? The way right. and uh the things that we are seeing, right? So I wanted to find a way to somehow extract his emo- his emotions and turn those emotions of his into quantifiable data. And then with that data, with the help of technology, somehow interpret his emotions and into art. 
so that even though this blind person mm -hmm. cannot see, mm -hmm. he can express what he is seeing, even though he's blind, to us, to us right. who are to us mm -hmm. who are able to see through through a mm -hmm. final product of an installation. So it's very it's trying to make sense of intangible things and turning it into tangible things for us to better right, add, right. Um, relate to it or identify to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah. Right. So I uh, like listening to you know how you were explaining um you, your master's degree. It's it it, it was re it's it's really perfect um a perfect degree to apply to architecture in itself just the normal practice. So I guess I I would I would want to ask what was your criteria in in how to choose a degree that you thought mattered to you and at the same time to um to the field. Mm. I think that's a really good question, Van, because I know a lot of people who are also thinking about taking up masters um in the short term <clears throat> or pretty soon to be again to be completely honest and frank and transparent to everyone. There was only one really one main criteria. No, sorry. Actually there's two. One, it has to be somewhere in Europe. I didn't know why not in the US as most people in the past would 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 think of take up their mm -hmm. masters. I mean to be completely honest, I just didn't want to get shot. I was so scared of I was just imagining myself um coming <laughs> coming home uh, from school, just walking down the street <laughs> and then getting shot by someone. So I didn't wanna I didn't wanna die yet, you know. Um, so I tried to right, right. think of now where is where is the location now that was more safe, and then I also tried that that also had um, architecture or or a country who somehow was able to have similar architectural um, considerations or where they place importance in in terms of architecture now similar to mm -hmm. Philippines. Because in the U.S., I mean, for sure, U.S. is a, I don't know if the U.S. is still the number one country right now, but but back then they were, you know, for sure number one back in 2014 or yeah, 15. Yeah. Um, but then I saw that the scale of their design and, uh, and of their architecture, I felt was just too, too damn big or too huge to be able to come back home to the Philippines and apply it here in our mm. in, to, to apply it in the Philippine setting. Um, and I felt that it right. wouldn't make sense to try to learn that from the U.S. and bring that back to the Philippines. So I tried to look for a country one mm -hmm. that, 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 that sort of valued intimate spaces. So I did some research also. I'll, of course, based, just to complement the story that I said in the, at the beginning of the podcast, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. uh, I felt that uh, London valued intimate spaces. Um, and I thought that I could bring something new to the Philippines by learning something from the British. So that's the number one, the, the location. Mm -hmm. Number two, <clears throat> I, I guess is the most practical one. Is, you know, it's all about money as well. So I did a lot of research when before um, mm -hmm. before I finally decided and through my research I found out that the the cost for a master's to to to, to take up master's program abroad either in the US or in the UK I mean if you want to go to mm -hmm. um, NYU I think or or uh, Columbia University in New York I think uh, maybe wrong, pero I think it would. I think it costs like 2.4 mm -hmm. million per sem, siguro, and the pila sem per year. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you, mm -hmm. I mean, who has four at least four million um, in their back pocket? <laughs> exactly. To shell out Just, and the, yeah. To shell out yeah. and to go to the and and that and that doesn't even include the uh, the cost for living van. That's just exactly. for the tuition itself. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. So there were also some other really nice schools in in London, such as the Bartlett. The Bartlett was my number one choice, Jude. But when I found out now the cost of the tuition there per sem, I think 1.5 million per per mm -hmm. sem, around that it much. Was, it was a little bit too much. 
it was still way too much for me, man. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, so it was too just too expensive until um, mm -hmm. so re so remember the, the that chick that I talked to in Singapore, uh, the one who was from Ravensbourne. So I remembered her, I know, and I also you know really tried to research about Ravensbourne University. I mean, I think Ravensbourne should should pay should pay us one for advertising them so much for advertising um, for advertising you know come on man give us some time yeah so um <laughs> so for ravensbourne back in 2014 i think it cost like i really can't remember i think 11,500 pounds or like hmm. 14,000 600 pounds maybe um uh, more more to shaban around almost 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 a million yeah almost a million ah oh. Um, okay. And then, okay, at that time, yeah, almost a million to see. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. at that time, the peso was uh, one one sterling pound was equal to around sixty-seven pesos, and then it rose oh, okay. up to seventy yeah. pesos. So, uh, yeah. So it right. Really I see. Expensive. I see. Yeah. 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 And so, on top of that, your living expenses, like you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the living mm -hmm. expenses there, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you guys about it so that you guys have an idea. Uh, but what to expect mm -hmm. but um, i mean we've talked about this one uh, um, a lot of times right but mm -hmm. um let's talk about it siguro said uh, for this podcast so that those who are thinking about getting a master's degree abroad can have a better idea about and what to expect and rather than to be um surprised and shocked by all these things that yeah you last prepare minute for. yeah 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 because because mm -hmm. yeah, it really needs a lot of planning Jud, and also a lot a uh, bit of not luck, but um, grace and blessings, should. right? Mm -hmm. So, 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 so Ravensbourne van. I decided to to give it a shot. Really, there is because um, they offered a one-year master course, like I said, a master's in environment design. And then the location of the school mm -hmm. was was really nice, though, van. Uh, have you heard of the O2 Arena? Yeah, it was right next to it. I remember you showing it to me. It's this huge, sort of like circular structure. Yeah. Yep, yep. It was, it was like a, it was like a huge white um, tent, right? So the school was right mm -hmm. across it. So it it, it was in Greenwich uh, Greenwich Peninsula, um, southeast London. So it was really nice. Um, the the tuition was the most affordable that I could find, and they offered a one year master's course. The mo the moment after one year, but the others had to be two years, man. Mm -hmm. So. I was like, I think this is more practical. And then um, they offered uh, this. The, the school facilities look look nice. Um, it looked um, maybe hip, or yeah. They promoted right, collabor right. Yeah, they promoted collaboration amongst different courses. So that was really cool. So, mm -hmm. so to answer your question, Van, number one was the location or the country and then number mm -hmm. two was the expenses so those two things really matter side by side right 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 so well, what i'm really getting from this is that taking a master's abroad is obviously a risk relatively so i guess my i would i would also like to know what makes it better do you think um versus taking a master's locally um, is it just the the course, or is it um, whatever whatever really it is that makes it different? Well, well, I'll I'll throw the question back to you first, Van. Mm -hmm. If you if you had a choice, where would you want to take up your masters, locally or or outside of the country? I guess Nashaka, I, I would no. prefer outside of the country. <laughs> outside of the country. No, no, no. Why? Yeah. Why, yeah, yeah, yeah. why, why do you prefer outside of the country? I think, of course, it's a new experience, um, meeting new people at the same time, totally new culture. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I guess uh, to an extent, you bring something totally new every time you come back. Exactly, exactly, mm -hmm. and that's why, and that's why you you guys should should try to or at least aim or plan to take your masters abroad. It's not because you know um, why are you doing the Philippines? You can. You can really learn a lot, man. Now, why, now why mm -hmm. do I say that? Why do I say that the, that it doesn't really matter if we're talking about what you can learn 
if you're in the Philippines or in Cebu compared to if naka sa London or sa Germany or sa Hungary. Because in masters, guys, and, and I'll answer your your question in a bit, Van. I'll just expound on this. Because because in oh, masters, yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Right? Because in masters, contrary to undergrad, such as what you guys are in now, most of you listeners, siguro, are still in like third year, first year, second year college in uh, taking up architecture. The main difference, Mongod, between masters and undergrad is that in undergrad, you are spoon fed. But not as much as you were in high school, of course. But um, but in your undergrad course, like architecture, you guys are given the plates. You are told what to do and how to do it first, and all that. There's a mod. There are modules. There's a there's sort of like a blueprint as to how to make you guys um, start properly and end really well. There's a blueprint as to how you guys can get all these skills that are required to prepare you to become an architect mm-hmm. two years or two and a half years after you graduate. It's spoon-fed to you. It's given to you. Now, in semester's degree or semester's program, no one feeds you. It's all up to you. The teachers really don't. Um, they, mm-hmm. they, right. they, they, they will show up to class to teach you um, some things. But um, there's a lot of one-on-one sessions between you and uh, and your tutor. They they don't call them teachers. They um, they're called tutors. Um, so you spend a lot of one to one-on-one time with them, and then usually no, they will just ask you right. So Ralph, based on what we talked about um, last week, do you have any progress? Do you need anything? Do you are you here? Can you can you discuss anything? Any progress? And then if you go into class or in that tutorial session with nothing prepared then there's nothing to talk about and the teacher mm-hmm. wouldn't really you know scold you or reprimand you because to put it bluntly guys but if if mcmaster's naka it means it's already um it's expected that you are already mature enough to mm-hmm. to manage your own time compared to undergrad na na bata pa kaita ba so we had we really have to yeah. be told what to do and how to do it. Yep. I'm sorry, but I don't think I answered the question. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, the question was, correct me if I'm wrong, but the question was, like, um, uh, is there any difference between taking up masters here in the Philippines compared mm-hmm. to abroad? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I guess the angle that I was uh, trying to get there too was if we did take it locally. Um, what are the differences? Yeah, are the All benefits right. the same? Mm-hmm. Right. We talk about comfort zones a lot, yeah, at work. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So if you're from the Philippines and then if you take up your master's here, specifically if you're Cebuano and you take up your master's degree, or you get your master's degree here in the in Cebu, you probably won't be going out of your comfort zone. I always had this mindset. Yeah, if I'm going to be if I'm going to go on my, uh, to go on my adventure, like um, like Bilbo, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna go as far <laughs> as I can, right? Why stick? Why stay home, Gapon? When, when you have the opportunity to really put yourself out there, and you know, get out of your comfort zone and you know, make mistakes again. Because when I took up my my master's, um, Sagawas, I was already. It was back in 2014. I was, I was 28. I was 28 years old already. So I was looking for an adventure. Mm-hmm. Also, I wanted to go out of my comfort zone and experience all the things that I could. Um, that I know that if I stayed here in Cebu, I wouldn't be able to experience mm-hmm. those things because I'm, because right. my safety net is very, is very wide here in Cebu. My family's here. Mm-hmm. The firm is here. My friends are also here, so it's it's all about stepping out of your comfort zone. It's really important. But when you go and take mm-hmm. your masters, you have to aim to step out and feel um, and feel really uncomfortable for for you to see you know how good right. are you really at that time. Agreed, sir. Agreed. 
I guess um, with that, I'm pretty sure they, they're, they're, um, what came with it was a lot of preparation too from your part before you going for a master's. Because um, at least for me, I know a lot of guys, they get a master's degree as soon as they graduate from their, from their undergraduate degree. Or right. some guys just, you know, they probably wish to go out, but then there's minimal preparation and then end up saying, no, we can't do it. So I'm guessing in your part, there must have been that sort of space from when you graduated because you mentioned uh, you went to the, you went to London when you were 28 so what were those um preparations if you could share right well uh, there was a lot of preparation Jod, because mahal man kayo van you know um who exactly has, exactly how many people <laughs> you know kisame na a couple of million pesos silang back pocket yeah just uh, you know exactly. like loose change yeah. you know so um so when I decided that you know that I want to 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 embark on this journey or on this adventure to getting my masters abroad I had to plan out my moves you cannot you cannot just wing this thing you have to really plan it out mm -hmm. so one of the first things that I had to to prepare and to plan out was I had to find out number 1 how much the cost was for, for the entirety of it, and all these um, boring stuff like uh, visa requirements, so, someone, so on and so forth. So after that, I had this number already that I knew I had to reach. And I think this number that I had to reach was, at, it was at least 1 million and for the tuition. And then the, the British Embassy had this, they had this, their own method of computation, Mugudvan, if you're gonna mm -hmm. be studying for 12 months, they have this amount of money that that they that they compute that that you are going to be spending for your cost of living. Mm -hmm. So, for example, yeah, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. part part of that was how much money on rent dito so London, which is hell expensive. Um, it's mm -hmm. really crazy. Uh, it was really it was really 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 expensive, Jun. And then, um, sir, if uh, I may ask, what was your overhead? Oh, well, I lived in three places there. The first, the farther you are from central mm -hmm. London, the cheaper. So the first one was, I uh, was, uh, I was paying 480 quid or pounds. So multiply it by 67 or 70. That's like 35,000 pesos a month. And I was staying in one room. Crazy. And, and I shared this room <laughs> and I know I'm not this room, but I shared this house with six other people <laughs> with one kid who, who would cry every morning. Um, her name, her, her, yeah, her name's Angel, but she, she's a, she's a really sweet, sweet kid. But you know, she just cried so much in the morning, and then we only had one toilet for six people. I mean, I mean, I have other stories about that. That's that's not that that's non PG, um, but yeah. So so that one van was around four hundred eighty pounds. It was in Zone Five. I lived in right, Dagenham. Right. It was east. Okay, layu mm -hmm. na and then I moved out um, after three or four months. Uh, so I moved to West Ham. Um, West Ham is in Zone Three. My school was in was in between Zone Two and Zone Three. So this though this place mm -hmm. West Ham was was closer enough. Was um, I was I was paying six hundred pounds uh, a month plus bills per Junasia. And then my room uh, I shared the house with around five or six people. It was a two story flat. And then I shared the uh, I shared the flat with um, one Australian chick. <clears throat> uh, see, her name's Jess. Shout out Jess for listening. She was really cool. I think she's from um, Sydney, I think. And then um, there's this other British mm -hmm. dude. His name's Lo, and he's now a DJ now. And then there was uh, Ling Ling, a Vietnamese uh, chick. Um, she was really sweet. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, there's there's a ton of stories there. I'm not gonna <laughs> share now. Um, and then there yeah, were some other sure. yep, yep. And then there were some other people also. So anyway, so my room there, I was paying 600 quid, and then but my room was just right out uh, right outside my room, was the living room, and then my window was facing the backyard. And then my housemates they would have parties, man. He must have parties so. Man, although to their credit, they would always invite me, but you know I was trying to study sometimes. Was trying to yeah. you know work work on my paper, but then outside 
I could hear, you know, kind of Marissa Garave but <laughs> and all that. Right. The uh, the walls kind of like shaking. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> I just could not concentrate. <laughs> um, and and then you know sometimes it was just knock on the window, and then ipashat konila, which was really cool of them. So it was nice, masad. So it was six hundred quid. Um, that's filamanan right, shabas right. around forty-two thousand uh, pesos. Forty-two. Yeah, and then and then lastly, I'm just not going to expound on this guy. It's it's major personal. Um, the last place I lived in was in Bermondsey. Um, it was it was it was a flat that's good for two, and then it cost us one thousand five hundred quid for two people. Crazy. So that's how much is that? Hundred five thousand pesos. Mm-hmm. Lord Almighty. Wow. Yeah, but then it was a pretty cool place though. Um, it was yeah, a funny yeah. one, because you know, yeah, I would right. wake up to to some neighbors, you know, fighting in British with their British accents. It was still funny though. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the last one was one five. So mahal kayo. Yep. So mm-hmm. so 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 to just cut it short, um, Sigur, you have to prepare because there's this thing called show money, guys. Um, the British Embassy, in order for them to give you a visa. And then, and I think it's the same mm-hmm. said for for all the other countries said <clears throat> that you have to right, show right. money. Yeah, it's called show money. <clears throat> um, because you have to show them that you have the money that to sustain yourself there. Well, number one, you have to have the money to pay your tuition. You have to pay it in full in advance, and then you need to have the show money. It's computed per month. So if so if the mm-hmm. embassy will say now nah, you're gonna be spending two thousand pounds a month. For 12 months, you have to multiply 2,000 times 12. Then you have to prepare uh, 2,400. 24. 24. My God, 24,000 pounds times 70 pesos. So that's the amount of money that you need to prepare. Mm-hmm. So that so that's in terms of the the finances, one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, um, if you uh. I can also share if you guys would like to hear. Oh, would you like to hear it, man? Katong, um, yeah, like some, yeah, 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 like some strategies as to how to, to, to prepare the money and where to get that money from. Right. Yeah, sir. If you if you feel comfortable with sharing. Yeah, Because yeah, I yeah, know sure. um, you've always told me sort of you know the history. You know, it was never really easy for you, even when you were yeah. in London. I remember you told me, you went through a lot of sort of gigs or whatever you had to do. Uh, I won't say much. I, I, I would prefer if you could share that, you know, because I wouldn't want to, you know, it's not, it's not my experience. So, well, you know, well, like if, well, you're, if you're comfortable sharing, you know, go ahead, sir. Right. Um, we'll, we'll do a part two, Lanavan. Um, the other, okay, okay. All right. I have, I have an idea, Van. For this episode, we can talk about the, the, the usual mm-hmm. pros and cons, preparation and all that. And then, for another podcast mm-hmm. episode, we can talk about the other side of the journey yeah, to getting exactly. a master's degree. The things that people don't see, but right. you know, okay, you know, yeah. it's not that all... would de- that des- that really deserves a mm-hmm. that really it's deserves a whole new episode. Good. I don't think it, you could fit it in twenty minutes or or thirty or even forty. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. guess it's yeah, the other side of the coin, in in yeah. many ways. Yeah, and we have to um have some jim beam around as well while we're having that podcast episode yeah so that, that, that'd be that'd be really interesting <laughs> right so so i'll just share lang but yes sir uh preparation lang no? I'll, I, I can share about the preparation yeah 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 um right so mm-hmm. so now guys once you know or once you have that number that magic number uh the amount of money that you need then now is the next step would be to make plans. Where do you get the money from? How do you get or earn that money? So I'll share what I did to to somehow reach that magic that that magic number. Number one, you have to you can't do it alone. Number one, you have family members, you have people who want to help you reach your dreams. These people are usually your 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 family. In my case, there were my parents, my my mom and my dad. So they really helped me out. Um, in fact, my dad and my mom lent me 500,000 pesos so that maka pay ko sa tuition. So that time, short to ko bisan I think I, I had um, two years siguro to prepare or a year and a half to prepare. So at that time, I already had RSA 
But at that time, back in 2013, when I made the decision, the firm was really small. It was just me. I was basically freelancing. So I had to find projects, you know, and then balance how much we fee or price our projects to the point that uh, not to reach the point that not to get too expensive that we don't get a project and not too low also that it becomes a deterrence or or like a handicap already in my plan if barato fee so i just tried my best to look for projects by the grace of god there were clients who came up and then um, asked me to design their projects for them and then eventually ato you know wala don't buy anything mm-hmm. uh, at least at least that time mm-hmm. there were no funko pops there was nothing to derail me from from my vision <laughs> In terms of budgeting, so eventually nakasave Rajud Kwato, and then but I have to say, um, tomorrow is my dad's um, third year um, death anniversary. So this one's for you, Dad. Um, we had a lot in Nami Yuta. My family, my dad's side had a had a piece of land in Lahug. It's a very prime land. It's um it's to the right of cosmopolitan in lahug if you guys have been to the outpost or to um when to the monastery i think that was the last um, restaurant that was put up there our ancestral home was there so even though at that time mm-hmm. we were really having a hard time financially because um one my dad was already having um, his kidney problems so dialysis and then the business wasn't doing good but then, you know, he, my dad still sold his share. And then with that money, he lent 500000 to me. That's amazing. So, yeah. That's amazing. I mean, that's, that's one thing that when I share it to the mm-hmm. next, in the next, in the, in the other episode, when we talk about the other side of Masters, but there's, there will mm-hmm. always be things now that will hold you accountable so that you mm-hmm. won't screw up and that you will really hold up to your end of the bargain, but. And one of those mm-hmm. things was the sacrifice that, that my parents made for me, right? So eventually, um, I was able to get the money and then apply for a visa. IELTS, you know that exam, when you have to yeah, take yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's an English, yeah. yeah. I almost failed the um, comprehension because the, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that they were just going to repeat the question once, I think. And I was just like, what? Um, like you only get one try this? yeah yeah I was <laughs> like oh man if I if I fail this I'm so dumb um, but thankfully I, I, I passed Magapon mm-hmm. so yeah so mm-hmm. you really have to plan it out guys if you want to uh, not achieve great things but if you want to pursue um, big things in life you really have to plan mm-hmm. out the steps and then act mm-hmm. on those plans afterwards it's not enough to just be a dreamer you have to act on your dreams, act on your plans. Right. Right. Um, right. But if right, so that's why plans are really important. So maybe prepare, siguro van, uh, two hundred thousand. Uh, yeah. No, not yeah. Hundred, like, like two million, two million. Two million. Um, <laughs> if you want to study yeah. abroad. Yeah. Um, but there's always yeah. some other methods, van, like scholarships. Um, yeah, scholarships. Can, I heard a lot right. of people like pick up on that. Yeah. What I guess it's you, um I guess what, just based on um, yeah um I I guess for me because uh, the way I see it sometimes I think when it comes to achieving something much larger than yourself or something you've never experienced I think sometimes uh, the person doing that might get impatient such as myself and we think mm-hmm. that it has to happen next year it has to happen it has to happen in the next two years but I guess like you would like how you how you said it you always have to put a number there and then work towards that number no matter how and then. Just keep on moving forward until you reach that point. Right. I think people quit and, you know, think about going, having their master's abroad might be too impossible because of X reason, such as finances, for example, or maybe they X can't do it or whatever. So, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a really good lesson there, I would say, just to extract from what you mentioned. There is nothing. There's Impossible is, is there is no, not, there's nothing. Nothing is impossible, but... 
impossible mm. is just mm. a, a mindset. Um, there really is nothing that's impossible, I would say. Right. Um, right. If there's if there's a will, there's always a way. Some people have it easier. Mm-hmm. Some people have it harder. But the end goal or the end point is always mm-hmm. achievable. Unless if right, you wanna, right. um, you know, um, if you wanna, like I think I think I talked to you about this the other day, you know, or like this past, uh, mm-hmm. like this past week. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you aim to achieve something, you just need to really work at it, and eventually you'll get there. There is nothing impossible, exactly. Judd. Exactly. It is only us who who set these boundaries in front of us mm-hmm. that stop that stop us from achieving what we want. Right, sir. I guess the most patient one is the one who has the highest chances of succeeding. Yep. Because I would and say the most resilient, the patient the most person resilient. has perspective. Yeah, the most resilient. These are the guys with the most perspective in terms of depth and how far they can see. Because mm-hmm. you could, yeah. I, I, at least for me, I would, you would, I could say that maybe you might not be in the place you are, you want to be right now. But if you have that goal in your head and vision, I guess eventually, it um, it must have kicked in. Yeah, and and you know, after you make a plan, and once you, once you are able to start, or like in this case, once na dito sa once. You know, it was a very surreal experience to mm-hmm. to to really be in, at the airport already and saying goodbye to my family, and then you know right. I had to leave That's a lot tough. of stuff behind. Mm-hmm. Sad, um, especially my dad, who mm-hmm. I was really worried about. But then, mm-hmm. so I had a layover. Um, maybe I can. I'd, I'd like to talk about my, the 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 journey towards yeah yeah or my or the first part there, man. So. Yeah, go um, ahead, sir. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Right. So, the the trip to London was was so far. It was like I think at least fourteen hours to and so I had a layover in Singapore. So that's three hours to Singapore, and then another fourteen or fifteen hours nasya from Singapore to London. Um, and it was such a long flight, but I was still very excited, Jude. But you know, honestly, um. Some people mm-hmm. ask me like um, they would say na, na how did how were you able to do it? Well, I cannot look. Were you scared? Damn right, I was scared. But you know, when when you've because I've because me and my parents have invested so much of our time and effort to making this dream come true. There was really no time to feel scared. You just had to perform and to make the most out of it. Should, mm-hmm. So as I was waiting for for the plane to take us from Singapore to London, I I, I remember this very clearly. John. I was sitting at the at the terminal, waiting for you know, for 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 the for the, for the, for the airport staff to tell us that we can board already. And I still remember the that 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 scene. Nah, I was it was just a mm-hmm. scene of excitement for me like I, I couldn't wait to get this phase of my life of, of my life started so I've mm-hmm. I've never seen snow or any or have been anywhere uh, <laughs> or, or to be or to have been in a country van uh, uh, at least 15 degrees on um, temperature yeah, so yeah when I but when I arrived in Heathrow London Heathrow first time I I went out when I went out of the airport into the parking lot. Man, I could grab I felt like, what, what, like, what the, what the, dude? Like, now because the refrigerators. I was like, and then I could see, you know, like, kind of, kind of that, that, that cold mist, banana, as when you breathe, I was just right, like, right, from your, from your breath, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, like, holy shit, I'm, I'm in London, I'm. <laughs> I'm in the others. I'm on the other <laughs> side of of the world now. Now what the fuck? So That's I was amazing. just like, yeah. And I and I and I had so much baggage, Patuvan. I was carrying my my PC, my monitor, and all and everything. And I was like, so so I so I arrived this there. Yep. So I arrived there. I was like, this is it, man. So I so I arrived there. Pag um, on uh, on the day na mag enrollment me i remember good it was september 8 i even have uh, even saved the screenshot of the date and the time 
of the day before ko nilarga or on the day na mularga ko it was September 7 I still have it in my phone um so pagapot ako dito mm-hmm. I I arrived at like six in the morning or before so um a taxi picked me up and brought me all the way to the school kay layo man ng Heathrow Airport it's on the west end man um and the, and then the school was somewhere in central or eastern part of central so anyway so when i finally arrived <clears throat> when i finally arrived dito sa outside the school i was i i was i just took a moment my good i remember good i took a moment outside with all my bags um and i just look at the school it was pretty bluish okay around 8 a.m na to siya um it was freezing cold and then i remember like okay i'm gonna have a cigarette first because i'm gonna uh, celebrate this moment <laughs> and then i remember just looking just seeing the cigarette butts i thought they were like kanang you know like i thought they were mar- I thought they were marijuana, okay? You know, I didn't know that <laughs> that that Brits would, you know, roll their own cigarettes. I was just like, what? right, right. Like, but but anyway, so um, so I remember just soaking it in and like, damn, I'm finally here. So, I just went in and then um the admi- the international admissions officer, shout out Jennifer Compelis. See, Jennifer is a Filipina married to a British there. Um They asked me sounds really British but uh, they but they're mm. they, but they grew up in in London anyways born and bred um, yeah yep so um I lived with them mo to ako first gistayan ako sa Dagenham so that really helped me out a lot knowing that there was some um, uh Bayan who was there to at least answer my questions right you know spoke mm. the same language sad you know with semi- with similar culture not very family oriented so on and so forth <clears throat> so anyway so um We had we had uh, we had the we had orientations the whole day, and then during our first break, I remember we were on the second floor, and then when I went when when we went out the room, I saw mm-hmm. outside the glass mantuvan. They had large circular windows man in the campus. I saw two guys that that were apart. Where I saw the two guys who were part of the group na samo interview. And so I was like, mm-hmm. hey, I know th- I was like, hey, I know those guys. So, gawasan I was like, hey guys, yo, um you guys remember me? We were in the same Google Hangout interview. Um yeah, I- I'm Ralph. Um I- sorry, I can't remember your name. So, and then these two guys ended up being my my best friends with to my Akumbarkada. Si Janel Puria mm-hmm. from India, very talented um uh website and software developer. And I would say it's like my big brother there, see si, si Nikos Nikiforos uh, from Greece. So my point here is that mm-hmm. I went to, mm-hmm. um, I started, I started my first day there. Nothing against Filipinos, Jude, but I I started my masters there with the mindset that I want to put myself out there that I don't want that I should not mm-hmm. be looking mm-hmm. for comfort. Or for that piece of the Philippines, mm-hmm. or 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 a piece of my comfort zone, because if moabot ako sa sa other side of the world, man, and then mangita pa ko kanang comfort zone ako, then why gamit? I would I wouldn't grow yeah, as much. Yeah. So I really made it a point that I would immerse myself in in different cultures, just learn from them, be friends with them, you know, and um and make mistakes, good. Like along the way, like make make so many mistakes. Um, I'm not gonna expound on this now, guys. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But my students know already that that I worked at the pub Weatherspoons in Metropolitan Bar um, as a waiter and as a bartender. And that time of my life, really, you know, I feel like I finished my experience in London with two degrees, one degree. That's for the masters in, in, in masters in environment design. And the other degree, mm-hmm. it felt like a degree in life, you know, um, <laughs> like so much life lessons. It was amazing. Also very tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost 50 pounds, man. You, you saw you saw the pictures, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you shared some pictures on your uh, Facebook. It's yeah. crazy. A totally different person compared yeah. to who you are now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I ate that person. That's why. <laughs> That's why. So I, I, I gained. I gained back the 50 pounds and more. 
uh, like like in the first three months guru nako ever since I came back. So it was really it was really funny. Um, I was so hungry yeah, the whole time. Yeah, it's always like getting back home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, I lost fifty pounds yet. I guess, sir. I mean, yeah, fifty pounds. That's that's a crazy amount of weight. Um, I guess, sir. Just just to say, it's obviously an amazing story. I mean, the beginnings and the start. And obviously, you haven't even spilled all those details you've actually shared with me throughout. You know. The many conversations we've had, but we are hitting 50 minutes right now, 50 plus. Oh, so I will have to then. politely, yeah, yeah, c- <laughs> cut it there. Um, so if if I could if I could ask you, sir, one last question: If there were three things that you could share from your experience, not just from attaining your masters, but the whole thing, what would be those three three let's say lessons that you could share before ending the episode? That's a hard question, man. But I'll try my best. Just <laughs> on the top of my head, um, I think the first thing is that impossible is nothing. There's no such thing as impossible. Um, and I guess if I don't look at myself honestly, if you know me really, I don't look at myself as anyone who's great. But if you need to mm-hmm. look for inspiration or proof that no matter how How much you sucked in school, no matter how many mistakes you've made, or no matter how bad you are of a person to others, to some people, but in different parts of your life, um, you can still make it, because I was able to make it. So that's always been one of my biggest mm-hmm. driving points to my students and to my staff. If I can make it, so can you, because you guys are way better people than I than I am, and and definitely when. Uh, you are better people than I was. Good. So that's one thing. Impossible is nothing. If I can make it, so can you. Um, the second thing mm-hmm. probably is that um, be humble. You have to be humble. You cannot do it on your own. No one can do it on their own. We are not God. No one is God but the man himself. Um, when you embark on such a big journey or adventure, seek help. Right. Don't mm-hmm. aim to just keep it to yourself. Seek help. Ask help from your loved ones. Share to them your plans. And if they can help you, they will. And that's gonna make it a much better experience than you know, just doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. Because um, we can all reach the end. We can all reach our goals, but we but we will all have different journeys. How we experience those journeys really is up to us. We can experience it mm-hmm. with the mindset that no matter what, balab sa kayaw ni nako, and then dilit na kayo, and then you're you're no longer happy. Or you can um, opt to experience it with the help of your loved ones. That maybe you can also bring them along sa imong journey nimo, so that your triumph will also be their triumph. That's one of the driving mm-hmm. points that forces one. That made me really want to, to finish strong. Was you know I was like when I come back, I'm gonna give my medal. Unfortunately, there was no medal. There was just a certificate. <laughs> um, but but I was like I'm gonna when I get home I'm gonna give this straight to my mom and to my dad, the certificate. Um, you know, so that they will also be proud mm-hmm. of the journey. And I guess the yeah. the last thing is hmm. Let's let's see. Just give just give me ten seconds, man, to think about it. Yeah, yeah. No, no worries, sir. No worries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that oh, man, that's a tough one. But maybe mm-hmm. if you re- if you really, I think it's connected with the first thing. But I guess if you really want something. You are gonna make it happen no matter what. There are no excuses. Agreed. There are no excuses. If there's a will, there's a way. So you just There need you to work on it. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Thanks, sir. So, guys, that was episode four. Thank you, sir. Um, of course, as we t- we talked about, there's gonna be a part two to this. Again, another deeper version to how it really all went down.
Yeah. So the other side. Again, yeah, the other side, the the, the other side of the coin. <laughs> so the that's episode for <laughs> the outside, the yeah. the coin. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's episode four. Thanks guys for listening. This was quite the beefy episode. I hope you guys listened from the start to end because. Um, I, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. There were a lot of lessons and ideas and experiences shared. So yeah. before uh, before we end again, uh, look us up on Instagram and Facebook at the Outside Talks. If you, I would, uh, I'd also suggest you guys send questions through. We 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 post stories asking you guys, um, you know, prompting you guys to ask questions or so on and so forth. So if you want to follow the whole thing, we're all we're we're there. So yeah, so. Thanks, sir. Thank you. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. All right. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Peace, peace.